is that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. We praise you that you are, always have been, always will be in control. May we remember that, God. God, help us now as we open your word. Help us to hear from you in regard to earthly authorities. Help us remember that you are the King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you do at submitting to authority? The last time you figured out how much you owed to the IRS, what was your response? Was it, thank you, Lord, for putting the IRS above me that I may pay my money to them? Or was it more like, oh, man, I can't believe how much money they're... I don't even agree with all the things they're doing with it. I can't believe it. Now, to some degree, I think that every single human being alive, at least those of us that are able to form a thought, we we each have some issue with authority in our lives. There is a part of us that would like to think that we are our own authority and that we don't like the idea of somebody else being an authority over us. Well, in our passage of Scripture today, we're going to see a command to submit to our earthly authorities. Now, we're walking through the book of Romans here at Cornerstone. We're in chapter 13 now. Last Sunday, we walked through the end of chapter 12 where it told us to treat our enemies well. It also told us not to take revenge. And one of the things that I said, I I was foreshadowing to today, and I said one of the reasons that we are not to take revenge personally or individually is because God has set up the proper avenue for wrongs to be righted. And part of that has to do with the way that God has established authority here on earth. And we'll see that today. Now, ultimately, like I just said, and like we just sang, we need to remember that God is in control. He is our highest authority. But as part of his authority, God has established earthly authorities, and we are to submit to them. That's what our passage tells us today. Now, as soon as I say that, the obvious question, I'm guessing that most of you are already thinking this question ahead of time. The question is, well, what about those people who don't act in accordance to God's ways? What about those people who are in authority over us, but they're doing wicked things? And the classic example is Hitler. So uh, our passage today tells us to submit to earthly authorities. Does that mean that German Christians who are reading this passage in the 1940s should submit to Hitler and obey if if they told him to to pull the trigger and kill some people? Should it mean that, that their act of submission to God means that they do something that God has told people not to do? I don't think so, uh, and I'll show you why in a moment. Um, Or if we fast forward to our day and age, uh, a lot of Christians in today's day and age are struggling with the idea of how we should respond to our government, especially in light of things like what just happened a few weeks ago where our Supreme Court deemed that gay marriage is now the law of the land. Does that mean that we Christians should just automatically obey and, and, and agree even that what our government has done it's right. Just because God has put them in authority, does that give them to proclaim things that, that God has not proclaimed to be true? I don't think so, again, and I'll, I'll show you why in a moment. Uh, but what I would like to suggest is that those, those examples that I've just given are kind of the exception rather than the rule. And, and we will talk about the exception today because I think it's really important for us to figure that out. But some of you may need to hear the rule today, and the rule is submit to the authorities. So the bigger question here is figuring out how human authorities line up with the authority that God has established. 
In our passage today, it says, there is no authority except that which God has established. So God gives that authority, and obviously, like I mentioned, sometimes authorities misuse their authority, and we'll look into that. But it's interesting to note when and where the Apostle Paul wrote this. He was writing this to the Christians in Rome. Now, if you know a little bit of your history of the time, you know that, that Rome was, I mean, that was the capital of the Roman Empire. And in many ways, they were hostile to Christians. So Paul was writing, when, when he wrote, submit to the authorities, the people he was writing to were living in Rome. So they knew a thing or two about authorities who weren't acting in accordance with God's ways. Yet Paul told them to submit. So all this to say, figuring out how to view our human authorities is not an easy task, and it's one that we have to be careful to do good theology with, and, and that's just what I intend to help you do today, is to figure out what it means for us to submit to governing authorities. Uh, and let me give you my big idea first. We must submit to God's authority. Now, part of that means human authorities. O overall, I think where this passage is going is that we, we're to recognize that God is the ultimate authority, but there's this submission that he wants us to do to earthly authorities as well. And in fact, this is, this is kind, of, kind of strange perhaps, but submitting to earthly authorities then is one way that we can submit to God's authority. Okay, so we're going to look at Romans 13, 1 through 7 today, and I'm going to break it into two parts. First, I want to show you the reason why we should submit and then I'm going to show you uh, some ways that we can submit to our earthly authorities. So my first point today is that we should acknowledge God's authority. Acknowledge God's authority. That's from verses 1 through 5, and I want to read them now. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Now, we're going to hang out for quite a while in verse 1. In fact, we're, we're going to spend a fair amount of time in verse 1. And then when we're done with verse 1, we're going to kind of fly through the rest of the passage. But I think hanging out in verse 1 is going to help us understand this passage today. So we're going to clarify some terms. And, and by the way, um, I took a class in seminary, and the point of this class was uh, they picked out seven of the most difficult passages in the Bible and, then, and they said, here, figure out how to preach these. And that was the whole class. And this was one of them. So this is, this is a passage that is known for being theologically difficult. But what I want to do to help you understand it is I want to just camp out in verse 1 and clarify some of the terms and I think it will come together after we do that. So the first phrase I want to clarify in verse 1 there is the phrase governing authorities. Now sometimes that phrase in the Bible can be used for spiritual authorities like angels and demons, uh, but other times it can be used for things like kings and governors. So the context has to determine what it is, and I'm quite convinced from the context as well as from some other passages that this, uh, these governing authorities in our passage today are human leaders. 
okay? Uh, from the context, it's those human authorities who punish wrongdoers, and it's human authorities who receive taxes, okay? We don't pay taxes to angels or demons or even to apostles. We pay taxes to human leaders. So that's what's in view in our passage today. And then from other passages like 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 2, we see the same phrase describes earthly authorities like kings and governors and tells us how to follow them. So that's who we're talking about today is our, our leaders, our governing authorities. And then in verse 1, we're also told at the end of it here, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now this is an interesting one. And even, uh, remember King Nebuchadnezzar from the Old Testament book of Daniel? Uh, he was a guy who really struggled to figure out who was the real authority. Uh, it, it's just this fascinating read through Nebuchadnezzar in the way that he was like a roller coaster of figuring this out. But four times in there, Nebuchadnezzar said something to the effect of, God is the one who sets up and removes kings. And remember Nebuchadnezzar's story, he was set up and then removed and then set up again. And he came to the realization it's God who is the one who does this. So God sets up the kings, but like I've mentioned already, we can all give examples of kings who have acted wickedly. Now, on that note, some theologians have tried to come up with some other definitions of who these authorities might be because they think it odd that God would tell us to submit to wicked authorities. But that's because I think they misunderstand the word submit, and I want to underline that now because I think that this is the key word in our passage today. If we understand what submit means, I think we'll understand the passage. And, and the first thing I want you to hear is that the word submit does not always mean obey. It can mean obey, but the word obey is actually a different word, and Paul could have used the word obey here if he wanted to, but he chose a different word which sometimes means obey, but always the word submit means order under. Order under. It's a, it's a compound word to, to order under. So what that means then is to recognize that in rank... We are underneath the authorities that God has set over us. Pretty simple deal, and I think we can understand that. And it's not just that we are under them, but we need to recognize that God is the one who has put them over us. But let's get back to the question then about whether we should obey authorities who tell us to do evil. I want to give you an illustration here first. Let's say that you're working at your job, and let's say it's time to put together the annual report. And let's say your boss wants to give a good report to his boss, so your boss tells you to kind of cook the books a little bit, to lie about the numbers. Maybe, maybe this has happened to some of you out there. But let's say that you know that your boss's boss is committed to the truth and that, that he would rather have an accurate financial report than, than one that just makes them look good. Now, I would suggest that in that situation, you should follow what you know to be the will of your boss's boss. Even though your boss is telling you to lie, what you should do is submit to your boss because ultimately, the, the highest authority, God, agrees with your boss's boss, and that's why we, we shouldn't lie. Now, that might cause problems, and, and maybe some of you have figured this out as well. If you're going to disobey your boss who, who's telling you to do something wicked, it could very well mean that your boss is going to come after you and, and maybe make your life difficult. Maybe even try to get you fired. Maybe he's going to give a bad report about you to his boss and maybe you'll get fired. And I think that that's part of the way that we see that these authorities working is that sometimes people do misuse their authority and sometimes 
it causes problems for us. Nevertheless, we have to recognize that these, the, the authorities that exist have been established by God and therefore he is our highest authority. So when a lower authority tells us to go against God, we don't have to. And I would like to suggest then that the word submit means to order under and it carries with it the idea that we, as well as our middle authorities, are underneath the authority of God. Does that make sense? Now, um, I want to show you four quick Bible passages that I think back up this view that I'm suggesting here, that, that ultimately we are to follow God's authority and not our own. So four quick stories here. The first one is from Exodus 1. Remember this story? Uh, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and there were getting to be too many Israelites. So the king of Egypt made an edict. He, he told the Hebrew midwives, if, if the women give birth to a baby boy, you are to kill them. But listen to what they did in Exodus 1.17. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So they, they disobeyed that, that authority because that authority was disobeying God's authority. Second, in Daniel 3, this is the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused the king's order to worship the image of gold. And, and what did the king do then? The king threw them in the fiery furnace. Well, it's interesting to read the story then. God protected them. They did what God wanted them to do, and the earthly authority tried to punish them. Third story, Daniel 6. Daniel refused to obey the king's edict that people should pray only to the king and not to God. Again, Daniel got found out. Again, he was punished by his earthly authority, but again, God protected him. And then a fourth story, which I think is really important for us in the book of Acts. In chapter 4 there, Peter and John, the apostles, were commanded not to teach or speak at all in the name of Jesus. But they disobeyed that order. And in Acts 4.19, it says, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. And then in the next chapter, something very similar happened, and they said, We must obey God rather than men. So biblically, we need to recognize that God has established authority and that we are to order ourselves underneath those authorities. Sometimes, though, and, and these are usually the exceptions and not the rule, although it's important for us to figure them out, sometimes our authorities go against God, and I think that we have biblical right in those cases to disobey our earthly authorities because we don't want to disobey God. And all of that is because we need to recognize that God is our highest authority. Again, like I said, um, in verse 1, it literally says, for there is no authority except under God. That's a literal translation of the middle part of verse 1. I'll, I'll read it again. For there is no authority except under God. Now, on that note, I'm really glad what it says in our Pledge of Allegiance. I, I want to put this up here for you. I know you might not be able to read that, but I'm guessing that you also know it. I, and I just want to turn your attention to that one phrase, one nation under God. At our, well, this is, you know, I don't know if the Pledge of Allegiance is like an official document signed by the government or anything, but, uh, but the people who are putting this together recognized, and, and we often say it together, that we are a nation that is under God. We recognize that he is our ultimate authority. At least that's the way that we should live. So, if we are all under God, then submitting to God means 
submitting to earthly authorities. Uh, unless, again, like I said, they're directly disobeying God. Okay, so that's verse 1. And like I said, we're going to camp out there for a while. Um, and I want to move on now to the rest of the passage. And like I said, we'll kind of fly through the rest of these. I'm going to just leave my big idea up there, submitting to God's authority. And I want to leave that up there because we're going to talk about submitting to earthly authorities, but we need to remember we do so because of God's authority. Verse 2 reminds us that if we rebel against authorities, we're really rebelling against what God has instituted. And if we rebel like that, we bring judgment on ourselves. Now, there are two different ways that that judgment can happen. One is that the earthly authorities might come after us. If we do something wrong, they might punish us. But then second, if we rebel against the authorities that God has established, God may very well punish us, judge us at the end. And it's very likely that both of these could happen. So our rebellion really um, brings about judgment, and we bring it on ourselves if we do it. And then verse 3 reminds us that earthly authorities aren't there to punish us for doing good. Rather, they exist to punish wrongdoers. Now, that's obviously a general truth, and we can all come up with examples of rulers who have done it the opposite way, that they punish those who do good and they reward those who do evil. But generally speaking, that's why authorities are in place to, honor, uh, to, uh, to punish the wrongdoer. Now, let me just say something here, and this might rub some people the wrong way, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, in verse 3, it's, we're told that if we want to be free from fear of the authorities, that we should do what's right. And this is why I have chosen not to speed anymore. I know that maybe some of you out there have your, your speeders. And, but you know why I'm not a speeder anymore? There's several reasons. One of them is because I think that God has put authorities in place, and I don't think that the speed limit is an anti-biblical rule. So, uh, but another reason is because I noticed that when I was speeding, I was always on the lookout for the cops. You know, whether, are they going to come from the other side of the road? Are they going to come from behind me? Are they hiding out under this overpass? Where, have you noticed that? When you're speeding, you are always living in fear of the authorities. And I just realized it's much more peaceful not to drive that way. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. Uh, although my last speeding ticket was 11 years ago, but I, I'd like to suggest that I was just clouded by love at that time. because. <laughs> <laughs> Christine and I were in a long-distance relationship, and I was trying to get there as fast as I could. And uh, I even told the cop, I'm on my way to see my fiancé, and... Uh, ticket. <laughs> uh, but here's the way I look at it. I'm glad that there are speed limits. I'm glad that it's illegal to go 150 down the interstate. I'm glad that it's illegal to go 70 on our city streets. I've got four little kids that I'm trying to teach to look both ways if we're crossing the street, and I'm glad there's people that aren't tearing down there at 70. So in, in that sense, I think that these are, are good rules, and I would like to suggest that following that rule leads to more peace for me. I think that it can even be a way that we can honor God, and it's easier on your wallet. So uh, a bunch of good reasons for that. Let me move on to verse 4. Um, verse 4, we see that earthly authorities are established by God to do good to people, but also to punish wrongdoers, even with the sword. Now here's where I want to bring up a current situation in our world. How should we, as, as a nation and as the world, respond to ISIS? I'm sure most of you know uh, what ISIS is. If not, it's a group of wicked people that are claiming land in the nations of Syria and Iraq. And they don't just want to stay there. Their goal is to take over the whole earth. They, they want to rule the whole earth, and they're going about it by being brutal. They're, they're killing people. They're torturing people. 
Now, in last Sunday's passage, we saw that we're not supposed to take revenge individually. I brought up the, the verse from Jesus last Sunday where he said, turn the other cheek. So is that what we should do with ISIS? ISIS? Should we just turn the other cheek until they're ruling the earth? Well, I don't think so, because I think God has put something else in place. Not individual rebellion, not individual retaliation, but he's set up nations and he has given them the power of the sword. So I think, uh, and I'm not saying that this is what I think should or shouldn't be done with ISIS right now, but I think that God has given nations the authority to punish the wrongdoers. And I think it would be very appropriate for a group of nations to come together and say, this is how militarily we should deal with these evildoers. God has given them the sword for that purpose. Now, verse 4 is also an important verse on the issue of the death penalty. And uh, I, I debated whether or not even to bring this up, but I think this is the verse to go to. So I'm going to bring it up. And, and also because, have people ever asked you, you're a Christian, what do you think of the death penalty? I think we should have an answer, right? Well, my answer, and, and let me qualify it, so don't just throw the tomatoes at me right away. Um, you can wait. And I'm pretty good at catching those, so you can... Uh, uh, my view on the death penalty is I believe that there is good biblical support for it. And this is one of the verses that I would go to. I think that God has given the sword for punishing evildoers. And what do you use a sword for? Um, there's also a verse in Genesis 9-6, and that's important because that was before the law was given. We know that a lot of things that were in the law, Jesus then took away, uh, Jesus fulfilled, and, and we don't follow under them anymore. But Genesis 9-6 is before the law, and I want to read that verse for you. It says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. I, I would like to suggest to you that I think the Bible tells us that earthly authorities probably have the right to use the death penalty. However, I also think the Bible gives us plenty of reasons to choose compassion and life. Not the least of which is that we give the, the criminal more time to repent and to come to Jesus. Um, so my position is that I think the state has the right to use the death penalty but doesn't always have to use that right. And it is a gray area here and I think it's probably a case-by-case -case sort of a thing. Um, but, but like I said, I think there is some biblical support for it, but there's also biblical support for compassion in life. Okay, then verse 5, uh, getting back to our main theme here, tells us that we should submit to the authorities. And we're given two reasons here. First is because of possible punishment. If we do wrong, like I said before, we could get punished by our earthly authorities and we could get punished by God, or even both. And then second, uh, we should submit to the authorities because of conscience. As I mentioned earlier, I think it's better for us to live at peace by following the authorities that God has established. Uh, that's way better than rebellion. And not only that, but um, we have to live with our choices before God. And have you ever noticed when you make a poor choice that sometimes it sticks with you and it just kind of makes you feel uncomfortable? I don't want to live that way. God has given us a conscience, and one of the reasons that I think that we should obey and submit to earthly authorities is because it's better for our conscience. It's better for our souls. Okay, so application here. How do you view earthly authorities? Do you recognize their God-given place? I think there's some Christians out there who would rather just think that uh, there's no authority except God. Now, that's really only a half-truth. Because, yes, God is the highest authority, but what has God done? He has set up other people to be in authority. So do you submit to the proper authorities? Do you obey them? 
at least when, when their rules line up with what God's rules are. Perhaps one of the applications for you today is that you need to be reminded of the place of earthly authorities, the place that God has given them and the way that we should honor and respect them. And that leads well into our next point here. I'm going to put it up here. We should pay what is due to the authorities. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 here. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. In verse 6, earthly authorities are called servants. It's actually the third time in our passage today they're called servants. And, and this word servants is actually the same word that was used of the people who served in the temple in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? We would say that those people who were serving in the Old Testament temple were worshiping God. And now that same word is used for earthly authorities. And one takeaway for that, I think, is people who are in a position of authority then, they can actually worship God by the way that they carry out their civic duties. That's a pretty neat thing. Um, It also means that we need to recognize that these are authorities established by God to serve God and to serve us. So we should have a a proper amount of respect for them. And, And let me just say a side note here. I'm kind of saddened um, by what's happening in parts of our country today. In a lot of parts of our country, police forces are being treated as the enemy. There have been a lot of riots, rebellions against them. Uh, you see people you know, just not caring at all about what the cops say to them in, the, in these riots. And I think it's doing damage to our nation. And, and I would like to say that I think that we should recognize uh, and be thankful for the cops that we have. I mean, would you rather live in a place that has cops or a place that doesn't have cops? And, and yes, of course, there are some bad apples in the bunch, and I hope that they get found out, and I hope that they get prosecuted, and there are avenues for that to happen. But at the same time, I think that we need to recognize that they are here to serve us and to serve God, and we should make their jobs easier. Um, and if you can find some way to thank a cop in the next week, I would recommend that you do it. If you, maybe you see one eating, you buy their meal or some, do something to, to say thank you to the cops for serving us. What we're told to do in these verses is to pay what is due to those servants who give their time to governing. And yes, that includes taxes and revenue. And it also includes respect and honor. And I just like to suggest that one of the ways that we can live in peace with our authorities is to give them what is due to them. So pay your taxes in time and on full. Um, Wait, on time and in full, I think is what I meant to say. (laughs) Um, Did you know, I I learned this several years ago, the IRS has an anonymous donation fund that it's set up for people who feel like they have underpaid their taxes and they feel guilty about it. So you can actually write, well, you can't write an anonymous check. That doesn't do any good. But um, you can anonymously put money into this account uh, to get it off of your chest to pay what you were supposed to have paid. And and I think it's actually a good pattern for us to recognize that, yeah, we have responsibilities. Now, obviously, we have responsibilities to God, right? He's our highest authority, and our responsibility is to worship him, to serve him, to follow him. But God has also set up these other authorities underneath him, but above us, and we have responsibilities to them. So if you have a responsibility, make sure that you fulfill it. God has set these things up, and we should give what we owe. Um, 
Jesus just, if there's any question about how we should view authorities in this regard, Jesus just nailed it on the head. And there's like, there, there's no discussion even needed after hearing what he said. And I'll put it up here for you. Mark 12:17. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And there's one other thing that this passage doesn't tell us to do, but there's another passage in the Bible that, that does tell us this, and I want to bring that in now. In fact, you may want to keep your finger in Romans and then turn to the right to 1 Timothy 2. Uh, the first four verses of 1 Timothy 2, uh, in there we're told to pray for those in authority. And one of the reasons is so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. And, and it mentions their godliness and holiness as well. Those are goals of ours, that as we pray for them, we can actually live more peaceful and holy lives. But then also it goes on to say one of the reasons that we should pray for those in authority is because God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So isn't that neat? As we submit to and pray for our authorities, we can live in peace and holiness and more people can come to know Christ. So let's pray for those who are in authority. Let's not rebel against them. Let's submit and pray. Um, now it is interesting just, just one other story here um, I was a, a missionary in a Muslim country for one school year and there was a law on the books there that said it was illegal to share the gospel with people under age 18 and uh, I didn't think that was a good rule so I, I broke that rule in, intentionally I just thought that you know again we, we have to figure out when, when is it the exception and when is it the rule and the rule always has to do with God as our highest authority. And he said, go into all the nations and, and make disciples. So that was my authority that I was following there. And uh, I didn't get caught for that one. But uh, now I'm putting the sermon on the Internet, and maybe I will. So uh, we'll see. But, um, I want to conclude by reminding you of one of the phrases in our passage today. It's in verse 5. It says, submit to the authorities. We humans have a hard time with submission. But like I said, I think submit is perhaps the key word in our passage today. And in fact, submission is at the heart of the gospel message. So this idea of submitting to earthly authorities, the concept in it is actually a much more important concept because it has to do with the gospel. Think about that for a moment. The Lord is our highest authority, and we are to submit to him. So our Lord sent the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came to this earth and died for our sins, that any of us who receive him by faith and give our lives to him can have complete forgiveness. That is the gospel message. But when we receive that gospel message, we don't just receive the forgiveness that God offers, we also are to give our lives to Jesus and follow him as Lord. So do you see what's going on there? We, we don't just accept a free gift from God and then go our own way and pretend that we're in charge of the rest of our lives. We accept that gift, and in gratitude, we submit to Jesus Christ, the rightful Lord of our lives. So submission has a lot to do with the gospel message. And remember, submit means to order under. We must not pretend that we are the highest authority in our lives. God is. We submit to him. And one way that we can show that submission to him is to submit to the authorities, the earthly authorities, that he has established. We can actually worship God by submitting like that. So that means that we are to submit to our leaders, uh, to our, our governing authorities, to cops, uh, to teachers, to, and I'm not just saying this because I am one, but to church leaders. Uh, and again, only as they 
follow God, only as their, their orders follow in line with God's orders, but we are to submit to them. Are you kids out there? Who are the authorities that God has put in your life, in your home? It's your parents. We can worship God by submitting to the authorities that he has established. But all of this brings up a really important question in life. Do we really trust that God is in control? If we don't trust that God is in control, what are we going to do? We're going to rebel. We're going to rebel against God, and we're probably going to rebel against the other authorities in our lives. And every act of rebellion is an, is an act of the opposite of what faith is. Because we're trusting in ourselves. We're trying to establish our own lives. We're trying to act as the own, our own Lord of our own lives. So do you trust that God is in control? And do you trust so much that you are willing to submit to the authorities that he has established? Again, that's one of the ways that we can worship. And I would like to suggest again that living in that kind of submission brings peace. Verse 3, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right. And one of the reasons I think that God isn't afraid to tell us to submit to earthly authorities is because he knows that ultimately there is only one king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And eventually, as we're told in Philippians 2, every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not up for debate. God knows that he is the king of kings. So let's bow to him now. Let's confess him as Lord. Let's trust that he is in control and let's submit the way that he wants to. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this. And it's a, it's a difficult lesson for us because we have so many questions about what it means to follow sinful authorities. And, and God, we know that we all struggle with sin and we know that our leaders struggle with sin. And we want to do what's right. And Especially, God, we want to do what's right in your eyes. But God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom and the humility to submit to you and to submit to the authorities that you have established. God, help us to figure out what it means for us to order ourselves underneath those authorities and ultimately to order ourselves underneath you. Would you strengthen us to honor you by following you the way that we should in regard to the authorities around us? Help us to give what is due, whether taxes or respect or honor or revenue, whatever it would be. Help us to honor you and to worship you, God by submitting the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.